Hi. This is episode two of the Gust in the Flame podcast. If you're listening, welcome. Thank you. If you listen to episode one, bless you. I'm not sure there's very much value in episode one. You know, I'm still trying to figure this out. Still trying to decide what direction this project is going to take. You know, how much of it is simply a soundboard for my thoughts and how much of it is is something bigger. Um, But today I wanted to, in episode two, get more into ideas of creativity. Um, You know, I'm sure, I know there's a plethora of information out there, people smarter, more interesting than me, than I, that I've talked about creativity and probably have more motivating things to say. I can only share what I know and how I feel um, about the creative process. And, you know, I find a, a lot of people, I get this sense with, with people that I know that there's, it's almost a fear or an apprehension of creativity, the imagination intrinsic machinations, intrinsic crafting, you know. And it's not that people don't admire or don't seek those those things out, they don't do them themselves, but it's almost like the more real we make these things to ourselves, the more you talk about it, the more you legitimize the pursuit, I find, you know, you hit a wall or you hit a wave in the world where it becomes more difficult to share understanding. What I mean by that is if I if I'm speaking to somebody about what I do and what I'm uh, pursuing, we might engage in some sort of conversation, you know, back and forth with, oh, well, I'm inspired by this and you're inspired by this and this is where I like to go and this is what makes me feel. Um, And maybe we get to a point where we start sharing our our plans and, and what we're doing and in doing that, um, I might communicate how serious I take the process, 
of creation, of, of creativity. And I think once that happens, depending on who you're speaking to or who's involved, there's a level of trepidation or weariness, you know. I guess doubt is a decent word. Because creativity is such a subjective thing to treat it like a to treat it like you would some some method of labor or you know something something tangible to define it in that in those in those terms to have it in that space is 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 sketchy for some i think you know i think Creativity for some people is something you do, something you indulge in your own time when you decide to indulge it, but only for a time and then you come back to the real world and you leave creativity behind because ultimately it isn't useful. But of course, there are those among us, myself included, who are inclined to believe it is something more. And it is that it has use, and that it is more than simply useful but essential. So, you know, creativity, sure, I think it can be nurtured, of course. You know, and in some people, you might observe in earlier years somebody who seems either entirely uninterested or entirely without any resource of of creativity they don't care about creativity they're not a creative person and then you might find years down the line or sometime later that they are suddenly building a branch that is growing into the skies of creativity. You know, there's something, some part of them is reaching outward into creativity. They're doing something you go, I would have never seen that from this person. I would have never imagined seeing that from this person. So it can be nurtured, but my point, I think, ultimately, is that it has to be somewhere inside you a natural predisposition. I think... There's a sensitivity involved, and if you're listening, you probably know what I'm talking about, because I think most people, if not to some degree, all people are creative. It's, you know, and then, and then comes the nurturing and the suppression and how we take that creativity and we make it manifest, or we don't. And that is a struggle. Yeah, that's that's hard when you're young. Um, you know, I grew up here in the West and Southern Canada, very pragmatic, traditional Roman Catholic family. And creativity, you know, has been in my family. I have family in the arts and in music. But practicality is always encouraged first, and 
to do what makes sense for traditional and stable life. That is foremost thing and it never it never aligned with me um, and that isn't to dodge the usefulness of being pragmatic the the sense the good common sense of being first firstly pragmatic in everything you do every role is essential and it's all got to be represented I just in my soul of souls never felt like I belonged fully in the pragmatic world in that scheme of, of being. I never felt comfortable. And growing up, you know, inside of religion and and tradition and expectation, conservatism, um, with this uh, erratic imagination it, it was it was challenging and I don't want to say I had a bad relationship with creativity but I had a, a compulsive one and I was ashamed I think a lot about my private imagination and how how strong it was especially when I had glimpses of the difference between me and other children and you know I say that being a child myself at the time, you know, there's so many differences. It's not to say that I was special or anything, but I definitely would notice at times how much more inward and how much more sensitive I was to certain things that would be going on or things that were said or movies or music or weather, whatever it was. Emotions were a little bit different for me. And when that was made especially apparent, I would be ashamed because I didn't feel it, it wasn't that anybody told me it wasn't okay or that if I expressed my insecurity that I wouldn't have been comforted. It's, I, it's not like I didn't have that, that support system. It's, it's more, it's more that based on how everyone, the adults in my world and the lessons that I was being given in these things, how these behaviors manifest, how I would see people behave and what they would say and their values was direct evidence against how I would feel. You know, they might say, follow, you know, of course, follow how you're feeling and follow your, follow your heart and do do what makes you what makes you happy there isn't anything wrong with being emotional or sensitive but then i might uh i might watch my mom suppress you know her misery because she needed to fulfill some extraordinary obligation or you know the I'd see the bitterness or the resignment or I'd see the punishment against unruly behavior when to me it felt less unruly and more just like restless, you know, how I was feeling. Some I'd see some of my friends or some kids at my school who would get in trouble all the time for just being 
more curious than others. So creativity for me is, you know, if we take it outside of the books and we take it as a, as a trait had from birth, I never identified with it properly until I was into my, my teenage years and already on my way into seeing that the creativity take form. And I, I often wonder how that particular journey is for other people, other creative people. And I, I get to learn that sometimes in others if I'm lucky and fortunate. But I feel a lot of fear from people when I start probing or we start talking deeply about creativity. And maybe not, it's not fear, but, you know, self-defense. Maybe it's just protection. People are afraid to let it out and be vulnerable about these things in case somebody seeks to harm the, the special and private world that, that is creativity for everybody or the imagination. Because it's hard to make that place more resilient, especially to the outside world, I find. My first inclination is always to defend and protect my inner thoughts and imagination. So, as for being creative and practicing creativity, it's, for me, gone from something I identified with in other people, something I was happy to observe and indulge in, to live creatively, if you will, through other people's creativity to feeling more inclined to what that motivation was, to, to the longing of all these unsaid, unspent emotions and words, to then taking creativity as a utility, a, a tool, a, a weapon, if you will, something held to be used or wielded, and trying to learn how I might use it. Because it wasn't just words, you know, I've always been compelled into the visual arts. To some degree, I messed around with photography, with painting, with drawing. I've always been a drawer. Drawing might, might have been the first thing I ever did creatively that I enjoyed. I was not a natural writer, that was for sure. As a kid, I wasn't very good at writing, wasn't very good at reading. I, I went to special classes for both. And I still don't know why that was never explained to me. I just remember. I remember that. Leaving my classroom a couple times a week and going to a special room with a couple other kids to to write lines and, and try to write them straight and to, to follow words and, and these things. Anyway. Now it's now it's a compulsion. It's it's a need. It's something I need to do every day, and if I don't do that thing, if I don't create, if I don't write a word down, a series of words, now it's writing. It's writing I have to do, it's like breathing every day, it's like waking up or eating. If I don't write in day, I feel unfulfilled, I feel less, I almost feel sick. Not, not physically so much as figuratively to the point that it affects my my mental health, my mood, my patience. So I've made a habit of getting better at, at just writing.
so much at the beginning was was obsessing over how good I was or how I can improve and what to do better. I didn't have a style. I didn't have. I didn't feel rooted in my in my own voice. I was always trying to mimic others, and I think that's a natural thing with any practice, whether it's physical. You know, if you're an athlete, whether you're learning any skill, begins development and mimicry and criticism, self-criticism, until you you spread your wings, so to speak, and learn your feathers, and you can learn to accept your own voice and feel what's natural to you. And that's that took me probably two years, a year and a half, and still takes me every day a little bit. Every day is a bit of time where I'm messing around with, you know, is this really how I write? Is this really how I need, I want to say this, how I need to say it? Or am I manipulating it? Am I trying to sound this way? Am I too worried about this? Am I trying to fit some other shape? can never say for sure, but if I think about creatively where I was two years ago, even a year ago, I feel a lot more at home with myself and how I make the things I make. To make anything, you know, especially in that creative realm, making something from nothing, uh, making something out of an idea or an image, especially something to evoke, it's art. If you're making art, then that is maybe the golden bar of creativity in the world. You know, if, if creativity is at bottom, you know, simply the drive or the play of creating something that wouldn't naturally already be there, wouldn't have naturally occurred, you know, as simple as, for example, stacking stones on top of each other and seeing how many you can stack together or trying to make a castle next out of those stones. And and then the... The upper echelon of that is, say, years later, instead of stacking pebbles and making rudimentary shapes or cairns out of, out of, or nookshook type frames out of stones, you're now a sculptor. And you sculpt, you know, these beautifully detailed and intricate statues and, or forms out of precious material. And it's a craft and it's an artistry. You know, if creativity is on that sort of spectrum, has that sort of spectrum, and I think it does, what is the difference? Well, it's practice. And it's the evolution of the need, I think. You go from being satisfied with stacking stones and arranging them in, in interesting ways to wanting those stones to represent something deeper and then you want to share those that representation and you want to do it better and you want it to be valuable and I think that's the line that creativity takes for those that ultimately take it so seriously as to live by it I know for me it is 
that serious. And it's a burden when it feels serious because it's hard to make, it's hard to feel understood when it gets to be that way. But all you have to do and all that I do is, is channel it the best I can, take it like you take any other urge and try to sublimate it into practice and try to make something worthwhile. And some of the best ways you can do that is, is getting out of your own head and getting out of your own obsessions and just watching the world, watching other people, learning other people, listening, getting away from yourself, and then coming back a little bit wiser, more renewed, less self-obsessed. I found that to be to be useful. On the next episode, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the present and how to practice being present, how I struggle with that, and struggle with, in general, how to always keep life from too long existing as an idea instead of a true and real tangible experience. And I hope, if you've been listening, that some of what I said was interesting. Be sure to let me know. You can find me on Instagram. If you're listening, you're likely already following me there, at Liam Lawler. And of course, my Patreon page, where you can support me and view all of my work that I hope is worthwhile and work hard to make sure it's worthwhile for you. And I'll talk to you on episode three. Have a good morning, good day, good afternoon. Good evening, good night, wherever you are.